0: Today's passage comes from the Book of Philippians, verses 1-9. through Please follow along on the screen. Hear now the word of God. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with you, and I plead with Syntyche, to be in the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the Gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the Book of Life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and will say to them, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God will transcend all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus.
1: Good morning, New mercy, praise the Lord, welcome, hope everybody is well, Hope you had a great week, uh, happy 4th of July, and all that stuff, I can't believe today is the first Sunday of July, wow, which means half of 2020 is gone, I know some of you guys are like, yes, thank God, it's passing by, uh, but I heard that the second half, aliens are going to invade, so please be ready. And after that, zombies are coming, so be ready. crazy, you know, just kidding, but I know it's been a crazy year so far, but still very thankful uh, that even in this way, we could continually uh, worship the Lord together. Uh, Just wanna once again extend a warm welcome to everyone, whether you're a member of New Mercy or just happen to stop by through different social media platforms, extend a warm welcome, and uh, glad that you have joined us today. Before I head into the uh, sermon today, Uh, Just want to say a few words. Starting next week, we have our special 2020 Summerfest happening. So Summerfest is a three weeks that we set aside in July to do something a little bit extra special for our community. So last year, we did our first one. And this year, we have amazing uh, guest seminar speakers coming in, Uh, great themes, great topics. So please join us. It will be live Zoom service starting 10 o'clock, 1030, sorry, 1030 for the next three weeks. So please join us, spread the word, anyone could join us. So invite your friends, family, um, and you could please register online. So we have an idea how many people will be in these seminars. So that's happening. And also Saturday, starting Saturday, we have our annual VBS. So our Cultivate, our Education Pastor has been really working hard to make this year extra, extra special for our children. They really love our children. They always tell me how much they miss your, your children. I miss them too, but I think they miss them more. So please uh, participate fully, join us, uh, VBS Happening. Uh, I'm very excited, personally, uh, for the next three weeks. It will be an awesome, awesome, awesome time for us. Today, uh, I have the privilege of finishing out our Philippians uh, Sermon Series. I don't know how this series has been for you, but hopefully the Lord has been encouraging and speaking uh, into your life. Um, We're gonna take chapter four verses one to nine and just very quickly we're gonna uh, look at three main points that Paul is emphasizing here so he is in conclusion mode he's gonna end the letter but right before he goes into the details of ending the letter you know this is his kind of like the last stretch of some truth bombs here and there's three main sections and the way that this one to nine is divided up is there's a phrase that Paul uses in the Lord in the Lord, and I think the last one is translated as in Jesus Christ. So we're just gonna take those three clear segments and look at the three themes. So the first one uh, comes from verse one, verse one, and uh, verse one, Paul writes, therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. And Paul was really affectionate. Paul loved the Philippine Christians. The first in the Lord comes, stand firm in the Lord. In this way, dear friends. So the first uh, phrase is stand firm in the Lord. Uh, And the first point is, no matter what season or no matter what circumstances that we're in, we need to always stand firm in the Lord. We need to always stand firm in the Lord. Uh, Paul, uh, when you look at, the context of this, Paul, uh, from chapter 3, verse 20 on, address the Philippian Christians of their identity. And uh, when you look at verse 20 of chapter 3, he talks about how, remember who you are. Our identity is not of this world, but we are, our citizenship is in heaven, and we still eagerly wait Jesus Christ to come back. So he's really reminding the Philippian Christians, I know it's hard. I know there are things that are difficult and challenging and, you know, life is going to be tough. There's persecution and uh, you're barely sometimes holding on to your faith. But it's okay because you remember who you are. You're not of this world. There's something different of you. You are precious uh, in in light of Jesus Christ. You know, God bought you at a price. That's who you are. And remember that. And because of that, Stand firm in the Lord. Always hold on. So the word stand firm is always be anchored in the Lord. Always be consistent, to be steadfast in the Lord, to hold on to the Lord. That's that's the tone. And I think that's the first kind of point I want to make. Uh, You know, for us, no matter what season that we're in, I know that there are definitely challenging moments and seasons, uh, especially seasons like that we are in. Uh, But what it's going to help us is always going back to who we are our identity you know identity it always influences or affects behavior right knowing who you are it affects how you live knowing who you are affects how you live it, it's a it's a it's a ancient truth right if you don't know who you are you, you're not going to live a certain way okay knowing who you are always affects the way that we live. So Paul is reminding uh, the Philippian Christians, know who you are, remember who you are. Our citizenship is not in heaven. You know, we're in heaven, we're from heaven. We're not of this world. That's therefore we live differently. We step we could be steadfast, we could persevere, we could approach trials differently, we could face our enemies differently, we could forgive people, we could love people. So stand firm, hold on, stand firm, he's urging us. And you know, when I was reading this, I, I really felt the Lord was speaking to us. You know, God is telling us, our season, our community, Christendom today of 2020 Christians, stand firm, right? right? Sometimes it's hard, isn't it? We, we, we're swayed and we're tired. You know, sometimes we just want to let go. Um, you know, I know some of you have been saying, oh, worship doesn't feel like worship anymore. Uh, but stand firm because our identity, because knowing who we are, it's gonna, it always reminds us us of who we are, it affects how we live. Uh, you know, recently I watched a document, docu-series on Netflix, the new one, it's called Cheer. It's about a uh, collegiate cheerleading um, program. Small town in Texas, there's a junior college. It's not even a full four-year college, it's like a two-year junior college. And in the last 12 years, they became the prominent championship uh, cheerleading squad in the whole country. So, um, uh, you know, when people talk about college cheerleading, they talk about this school, this Navarro Junior College, and we're watching the journey, you know, the journey of one season, how they train, and how this team comes together, it was a powerful series, you know, please watch on Netflix. but in the middle of it, really something that caught my eye was, you know, once again, this is junior college, you know, two-year college kids, and a lot of them are like high school dropouts, so they never uh, uh, lived a certain, a proper kind of life, right? A lot of them had many issues, but they come to this, this, prominent program for the first time and they're being treated like champions. And there's like a powerful scene in there where they had this one team meeting and they gathered all the alumni from the past, past champions and the coaches and they're they're telling the first and second years, remember who you are. You are a Navarro junior college cheerleader. <laughs> and that means a lot because why they're like national champions. So the way you walk, where way you talk, where way you behave, where way you handle yourself, your attitude, everything will remember who you are, right? But again, identity speaks behavior. Very powerful, powerful scene. And that's exactly what Paul is doing. Paul is emphasizing, you know, we can stand firm, we can hold tight, why? Because once we are reminded of who we are, that we've been we're people that's been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is in heaven, and Jesus Christ one day is going to come and, and rescue us and restore us. And, you know, we have this ultimate hope. We have this powerful gospel um, Then we can, we can hold on. We can be steadfast. And I, I feel like God is really reminding us and uh, encouraging us, all of us Christians this season, to, to be steadfast, to hold on. In the Lord, so that's the first uh, point or the, or the uh, first section that Paul addresses. Then the second section is starting verse two again. In the Lord is uh, these these two names are mentioned, Eurodia and Syntyche, and um, Paul says he is begging Erodia and Syntyche to have the same mind in the Lord, have the same mind in the Lord. And the second point I want to make is that Christian unity still matters. Christian unity still matters. Uh, Apparently, when you study the commentators, uh, these two women were very prominent, important, perhaps even leaders of the church in Philippi. And if you read in between the lines, it's pretty clear that they had some conflict, maybe a disagreement or maybe something a little bit deeper. But apparently, the whole church knew of this issue. And Paul, as he is ending the letter, uh, you know, Philippians, he doesn't really mention many names, but he is naming them. He is very specific. And you could see the, you could, you could feel the urgency in this plea because he says, I plead with Eurodia and I plead with Syntyche. He uses the word twice. The word plead in other translation uh, translations, they translate it as beg. I beg you the I beg you, Syntyche, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Or because of the Lord, will you come together and find unity, find harmony? Uh, and I think the, the, kind of like the second chunk is that uh, Christian unity, no matter what the situation, no matter what the season, Christian unity still matters. It's important. Uh, you know, I was reading, I think someone's Twitter feed the other day, and it says, Church of, you know, he, this one pastor was writing to young, uh, Church leaders and he says, "Don't let COVID divide your church" or something like that. And I was, I first read, I was like, what? "What are you talking about?" But you know, it's true. Apparently, even situations like this, uh, because people have different opinions. Oh, we should be safer. We should be more, you know, free. We should open up sooner or later. Or how should we do children's ministry? How should we do worship? There could be a lot of different opinions, and apparently, some churches have great tension, uh, and it could happen. So even things like. Covid or certain situations, it could really hurt us and even divide us. But uh, when we use the, when we lose the unity of the church, uh, really we, we we lose we lose something far greater, far of more importance. And Paul here, as he is ending this letter, he is urging, he's begging the church in Philippi. Keep the unity, keep the unity in the Lord, be of the same mind. You know, uh, Bible never talks about uniformity, right? He doesn't want us to be little clones where everybody's exactly the same. We could have different opinions, different thoughts, but at the end of the day, because we are one, because we are family, that somehow the gospel needs to work. That gospel is greater, that there is something grander then our opinions and our thoughts that we we can still at the end of the day be harmonized, be, be one, right? Of the same mind, of the same mindset. And that's what Paul is getting at. And this is not just agreeing to a point, but it's also attitude, right? Sometimes when we disagree, like, oh man, I can't stand that guy or this girl anymore. But it's also the hard attitude. Even though I disagree, I could still love you. I could still embrace you, my brother, my sister. Uh, it's all of that thing, all of those things. And Paul um, in the Lord, because of the Lord, again, uh, preaches unity, and that, you know one of the main things here as he concludes this letter. Uh, again, for our church, uh, just you know, how are we doing? You know, are we keeping the unity of the spirit? And this could mean different ways. We could still love and serve our community. Uh, not here only in the local church, but the grand scheme of things. I know there are a lot of different opinions out there. Even right? sometimes we are very quick to judge. You know, I hate these type of Christians, or you know, I don't think they're even Christians, or whatever. You know, different. Uh, but we need to be careful. I think we need to be really be cautious and check our hearts always, even though we might disagree. But somehow, still, uh, those are also people that Jesus Christ died for. <laughs> Uh, It's hard, but yes, but keeping the unity of of the spirit of the church of God, very important. Then lastly, from verses four on, um, the last theme or the point that he makes is about the peace of God. Uh, So verse seven it says, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding with guard your hearts and your minds in the Lord or in Jesus Christ. And that's the last uh, section of the phrase. And from verses four to nine, the theme is uh, he uses the word "peace of God" or "the God of peace" uh, twice, and it seems like there is a there's a harmonized theme here as he ends this letter of of the, of peace, of peace of God. You know, biblical peace is very different from the peace of the world. Uh, biblical peace, first, is not lack of. Something, you know, it's not lack of conflict or lack of trials. We know many times in the Bible, uh, even people like Paul going through trials yet have such tremendous peace. Uh, but the peace, when the Bible talks about peace, it's more uh, the best way we could talk about it is the word shalom from the Old Testament peace. And the shalom, if you were to kind of slice that out, is uh, it's wholeness, it's it's full restoration, it's fullness, um, it's, it's restfulness. And all that combined, that's the word, and that's kind of what biblical uh, peace is. You know, in the New Testament, Jesus talks about, you know, my peace I give to you, it's, this peace is unlike the world. And uh, when you do a study on peace, it's, it's Part of who God is, a character of God. Remember in the Isaiah when Jesus talking about the, talking about Jesus Christ coming, you know, wonderful Counselor, you know, you know all that stuff. And one of the phrases, titles of Jesus Christ, is what is Prince of Peace. Uh, so it's part of who God is, part of who Jesus Christ is. And today, uh, as Paul is concluding, uh, he talks about you know how don't be anxious of anything, but in everything always battle for peace. So whenever you feel anxious, go towards peace or receive peace. And there's that thing in the middle that's going to connect us, and that's connecting with God. You know he talks about prayer, he talks about you know, petitioning, it talks about supplement, supplication. And as we connect with God from anxious state that we connect to God and we, we are led uh, to the peace of God, the peace that God offers. The Christian peace is, uh, I think, very special, very unique. Uh, it's not something we could attain, right? You know, it's not like willpower. Oh, I, I'm going to try to get peace. not mind control, but today it says, "What well, this peace is sur- even surpasses understanding. It's even beyond our our minds. It's something mysterious and grand, but it's it's given. It's given to us in Jesus Christ. Um, you know, there's a story of uh, Horatio Spafford. Some of you guys heard many. I'm sure over the years, but the one guy who wrote the "Hymn When Peace Like a River Attended My Way," you know, he his story is that he in the 1800s he lost um, everything that he owned in the Chicago Fire. Then a year later, uh, he sent his wife and daughters four 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 kids to England, and on the way the ship there's a shipwreck, and the children all die. So only the wife survives. And Horatio uh, Spafford is on his way to meet his wife in England, and the, the ship goes to the area where there was a shipwreck, where he lost his children. and And the testimony goes that as he was looking out from the boat, um, that's when this peace that surpasses all understanding comes over him. It's a peace in in the Lord. And he writes that beautiful hymn, right? Uh, when peace, uh, like a, you know, river, attended my way, uh, and then he he speaks of this moment, and uh, later on he testifies that it's not of him, but it's a supernatural peace that really comes over him. And you know, today again, I know a lot of us in this season. There's we have a lot of concerns, a lot of worrying, a lot of anxiety. I even hear there's panic attacks and depression and just emotional highs and lows. And, uh, but what Lord, the Lord is offering us is this. And he says, well, don't be anxious. Uh, but whenever we feel anxious or whenever we feel concerned and worrying and all these things are creeping up, usually from the mind, uh, immediately come before the Lord. Uh, and surrender it, and and ask the Lord. When you study this text, one very important, powerful thing is it never says, ask the Lord and God will give you things, answer you, therefore peace will come. It's not that. That's not the formula. But if you read it carefully, it's when there's anxiety, come before the Lord, and in your coming, in your prayer, in your proclaiming and asking and surrendering, that's when the peace of God will come. So it's not when we pray and God answers, therefore I'm peaceful, no. But it's just even the act of surrendering, act of calling out, crying out, and praying, that's when God's peace will come. You know, it's a promise, it's a a, a truth that is declared. So we we pray for that, pray for all of us. Um, You know, Jesus Christ, the uh, Bible talks about Christ as the Prince of Peace. And you, when you study the Gospels, you know you never see Jesus anxious, right? He's never anxious. I I'm truly because he was a man of peace, that man of shalom, the real just wholeness and security. But you know when he goes to the cross, and the night before when he's praying on in the mountain, um, we see him sweating blood, and he's actually uh, calling out to God, Father, take away this cup. And you see even the peace, of Je- the peace that Jesus had start to chip away a little bit, break away. He begins to lose that peace a little bit. Uh, and you could imagine the Prince of Peace uh, gets to a point of losing that peace, why? Uh, because he gives that peace to us. Right? He loses His peace so that we can have His peace. Uh, and you know, you know, today Jesus, He is offering that peace to us. Uh, even in seasons like this, you know, don't be anxious, but in all things, you know, prayer and petition, come and ask and connect with me, and I want to give you my perfect peace peace not like this world, but perfect peace over you, to come over you in a powerful way. And I pray for that. So as we uh, sing our last song and, and you know, spend some time in prayer, if we could prayerfully just uh, sing our last song and uh, let's ask the Lord, ask the Lord to cover us.